Welcome to the ITAM Review Podcast, news, reviews and resources for ITAM, SAM and software licensing professionals. Welcome to the ITAM Review Podcast. My name is Martin Thompson from the ITAM Review and today I have Andrea and Christy from Excite Consulting. Andrea and Christy, welcome. Thank you. Hi Martin, thank you. Thank you very much for joining the podcast. Um, maybe if I start with you, Christy, do you think you could uh, introduce yourself and, and, and uh, the company? Yeah, absolutely. Hi everyone, uh, my name is Christy Hawkins. I'm the Managing Director at Excite Consulting. I've got 15 years of industry and big four consulting experience in software asset management, software licensing and software audits. Uh, Excite Consulting is a boutique IT asset management company. Uh, we specialize in IT asset management training and services. We find with most of our customers um, being particularly interested in our team supporting them when uh, we're getting up and up to speed uh, on their ITM tools um, after an implementation. Cool. And, and Andrea? Hi, I'm Andrea Anderson. I am a managing director at Excite Consulting. I have been in the ITAM industry doing software asset management for about 16 years, but I also come with about 16 years of um, contract administration experience. I have been using asset management tools uh, during that time and um, well-versed on uh, implementations and training folks how to use uh, their ITAM tool to optimize their um, licenses and have some save, you know, experience some savings or see some rate on, on uh, some return on investment for their software um, asset program. I've established those internationally as well. Cool. And just out of interest, how did you guys first meet? Yeah, we actually met. I actually interviewed um, Andrea for a job at um, KPMG. So we worked together for about two years there, and then Andrea was stolen by one of our clients. So that was how we, how we met. Cool. Uh, what, what I'd like to do is um, just imagine that you're a networking event or you're at a party, maybe not a party, but yeah, hopefully if you're at a party, you won't be discussing ITAM, but um, if, if you're at a networking event or you're at some sort of function and somebody says they're about to you know, they've just maybe invested in the technology or they're about to invest in some technology and they're looking through your, through your advice. You, you, you both obviously had a lot of experience in the field. Where would you, where would you start? Where would you recommend that they start in terms of preparation for, for technology implementation? My first thing that I would tell them to think about is what is their end goal? What are they truly trying to achieve? And the reason I say that is a lot of people say, oh, we want to manage our licenses. Okay, well, that's a general statement. And everybody wants to manage their licenses, but what is your reason for doing it? The reason I think they should define their end goal is because it's really easy to get started and say, uh, yeah, I, I, I want to manage my licenses. Okay, great. And I want to manage it because I want to save money. Okay, that's great. But those are two attributes that get you started in thinking about it but you have to realize and define your real reason for doing it and how many people need to be involved in order to achieve that goal you have to build partnerships you have to involve the right stakeholders have the right people at the table and you have to be able to communicate and educate folks on how you want to achieve these goals 
and define them and buy in and support because um, eventually you can get derailed simply because you, you've only defined the fact that I want to manage licenses. And what's an example of, uh, you mentioned, you know, we want to get our licensing sorted. Um, what's an example of an extension of that to make it a bit more tangible, a bit more focused? Uh, to actually establish a program. Um, and the reason uh, I would say a program is because it's just not counting your widgets. It is about building a process and having guidelines and um, procedures that can be repeatable and enforceable so that you not only establish the management and the compliance position of your assets, but you, you're able to keep it that way, keep it compliant and keep people engaged in helping you continue uh, improving on the program. And how would you articulate that to, to senior management, do you think? What, what sort of things work in your experience in terms of articulating that message? What really has worked for me in the past is everybody's money driven. So yes, you can show them that you'll have a rate on return, right? We're going to be able to save X amount of dollars, but that's all fictitious money if you cannot establish a true program and process and guidelines. So you absolutely need to go in there and explain to them, yes, we can save money, but here's the bigger picture. The bigger picture is compliance. It is security, you know, mitigating security risk. It is staying out of the, the PR ring of, you know, trying to, um, recoup our trust from the public. I mean, there's a whole lot of other things that you have to tell them about because uh, perception of, uh, you know, of how the company looks can really hurt them. If people don't trust you, they don't think that you're being honest or anything like that, they will not buy into that program. So start talking to them about the company holistically and not just a couple of dollars, but also about their um, how the public relations piece is, they'll start, they'll sit up and listen a little bit more, be like, okay, but well, what are our, the, the next question normally is asked, well, what are our exposure? What's our exposure today? You know, what do we look like today? And then when you start giving them hard data and hard dollars and, and thoughts and things like that, they really begin to look at it holistically and they, they are more apt to support your project. What's, what's an example of uh, of public exposure that you've that you've seen? What, what what sort of example would you cite to somebody that's interested? I had an organization that I worked for, and they were disposing of their assets, and their assets ended up in a third world country in a landfill. And when that they had licenses on there, they had decals on there for their company. There was a whole lot of things that were um, tied back to that organization. And in the public side, they were polluting the uh, environment over in this third world country, the PR on that and everything, and their fines were outrageous. So it took them a long time to recoup from that faux pas, even though it wasn't their fault, they trusted their third party vendor, but they didn't follow up and they didn't do their due diligence. It's a pretty reckless approach to data as well as their brand, isn't it? About the customer's data on it. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And uh, they, they, uh, it took them a long time to clean up that image because their their image was totally tarnished. You mentioned about getting the right people involved. Who would you recommend getting involved when when looking at a new uh, technology implementation? 
So you should have procurement, sourcing, legal, desktop management, your VP support um, um, group, you know, the ones that are going to champion, you need corporate communications as well. And you start with them. You build the bases, you build the policies and the processes um, because there has to be handoffs between each one of those uh, departments because all of those help you stay compliant and help you keep your, your data correct. Then eventually you will augment that team by including the SMEs. And the SMEs would be the ones that support the specialized apps or the specialized hardware so that you can make sure that they're using that according to the contract and that they are getting the most out of what they have purchased and what they're using. So that those would be the beginning team. Right. And what would you recommend for somebody, maybe they're a lone asset manager, they're on their own, and you've just described all these things, they, all these people they need to go and talk to. That's mm -hmm. quite, that can be quite daunting for people, can't it? Because you need to go and talk to a legal team. Or yes. Go and talk to procurement. Maybe you've never spoken to them before. And, you know, what, what would you recommend in terms of building relationships and, and building that network? Uh, some of it, I, I, the first thing I would do is reach out to a manager of a team or what have you and ask to get invited to one of their weekly meetings. Right. And, and once you're invited to one of their team weekly meetings or however their cadence is, you explain what you're doing. You explain who you are. You explain the benefit. And you must stress um, the compliance piece and the security piece because they're huge in our environment right now, in all environments right now. Um, because those data breaches are horrific. You know, they're hard to recover, to recover from. So I would start with one person, pick somebody, it doesn't matter who, introduce yourself. You have to come out of your comfort zone to build an ITAM program. You can't stay, you know, just the, the one person on, on the boat. That It doesn't help. You need some people to help you row. And if you are an island to yourself and you're out there doing and you're doing it in a vacuum, you're going to fail miserably. So you have to reach out and build these relationships between these teams because you need them and the data that they provide and the legal reading contracts when new software is being introduced, you need them to stay um, relevant. We were talking before this podcast around um, uh, what the tool manufacturers will tell you and you know, when they're trying to sell you a tool, they'll tell you certain things, but they also won't tell you certain things in terms of capabilities. Mm -hmm. Any any tips or recommendations to share there? Yeah, um, in order for you to go in with your eyes wide open, you, you really need to look at your organization and what is palatable to your organization. A um, vendor will come in and tell you that they have the silver bullet and everything's going to be great, but they neglect to tell you about all the work that you have to put in to get to greatness, whatever that is, right? So some of it is you, you need to be prepared to go back in history, your, your historical purchases, your historical contracts. You need to really see what you own and it takes time. We, we spoke with um, a potential client not too long ago and they felt like they had fell behind because they were sold this tool and they were told that, oh yeah, just put it in and push that button and everything's great. But they didn't talk to them about having to populate that data, having to optimize that data, having to, they don't talk about any of that. 
And so they felt like they weren't making any headway when the truth is they're actually doing very well because one vendor can take you up to three months to actually stabilize and understand what you own and optimize those licenses all the way through to reporting and seeing some sort of savings. So you have to go in with your eyes wide open, understanding that, yeah, you have a tool, but it's a project to actually get it um, established and where the data is useful. And so my suggestion would be, be prepared to do a lot of heavy lifting in the front. And then once you get it all in there and you're happy with what you have, it's kind of smooth sailing. It kind of takes care of itself if your processes and guidelines are in place and you have the support of your leadership team and you have built strong relationships to get the data fed into those tools. It's you know common knowledge that the you know you've probably got the most leverage with the tool manufacturer just before you buy the tool. Mm -hmm. um, how can you leverage that? How can you go into this sort of implementation eyes wide open and leverage what the vendor has to offer to help you with the limitations? What would you recommend there? My recommendation for that is to understand what you need and negotiate it in in the beginning. Um, and the reason I say that is because they all have these cutoffs. They, they all have quotas. Find out when their quotas are. What, when is your, are, are you close to your quota? When is your, your um, annual reviews? Of, when is your deadline? When, when does your stuff stop where, where it's beneficial for me? Because if they're close to the, they're making their goal and you're that last one, they're a little bit more hungry. And they're willing to do some serious discounts. And then also think about future. If you plan on growing and maybe getting an additional module if they sell it a la carte or what have you, negotiate, it, negotiate that potential in as well. Talk about, okay, if we can do this and it's stood up by X days and blah, 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 you can you know, add in this module and we'll pay you. I mean, it is the end of their calendar that is the best time to do it. And you need to find out where you stand in the beginning. It is not a secret. They normally share that information with you. And like I said, if they're trying to reach their numbers, they're more apt to be um, willing to work with you. And have you got any uh, examples of where tool manufacturers have, have supported a customer with implementation in terms of using their consultants or pre, uh, you know, professional services? What, what sort of things can you leverage there? Um, I would suggest shopping around um, when mm -hmm. they're offering consulting services um, because they the vendors do have um, partnerships with obviously a number of key partners which may be quite expensive although they're very effective you, you need to understand what you're really after uh, if you're a small company um, going with one of those major vendors is is, is not really going to be beneficial to you because you're not going to be able to afford it for, to start with then thinking to go okay well i'm going to do it myself that's not the best way either um definitely work with your work with the vendor understand who else is out there that could potentially provide you with those services that may be at a more appropriate cost more appropriate price point for you but um also when you are working with their internal professional services or external professional services spell out everything in the scope of your contract because unless you put everything in there and don't just assume you're going to get it, it will not be included. It'll be something they ask for on top of everything. So definitely spell everything out. Andrea, do you have anything else to add, I guess, to that? 
No, no, you're spot on. I mean, um, because that's what they, but the sad part about it is that's why I say take your time and really think about where you want to go and what you want, because a lot of times you don't know what to spell out. You don't even think about it. You, you, uh, you don't realize that you not only need them to stand up Microsoft or what have you for you, get it in, all installed and everything's pretty. Well, what happens when they leave? You have no one trained. They, you, you don't really know what they did. You kind of want to know how they accomplished that. What were the as-builds? How did you go from point A to point B? And make sure it's clear. You want a playbook at the end of their the implementation. You want to know exactly what they did so that you can repeat it and support it if something goes wrong, you know? So a lot of times you don't know to ask for this stuff. You don't know that two weeks of training on a tool that you've never used before isn't enough. It's nowhere near enough. And there are things that the tool can do that they kind of, that you're not aware of because they don't share that knowledge because they want to sell you and keep selling you. So um, it's imperative that you know to ask for quality training in two weeks. Again, I'm going to say is not enough. You need at least a month to six weeks of training, but I agree with Christy. You should shop around for that because they're going to charge you out the nose the the you know the larger companies are if that's what you go with to do your implementation just because they did your implementation doesn't mean they need to do your training so shop around know what you're looking for and and have someone that's interested in what they're doing because that's another key thing you got to have players in your on your team that really want to be there yeah and are vested so those are things you should think about yeah, and I think also just re reaching out to other people, that are, other companies that have gone through this, um, talk to them. Go, going to some of the conferences that are out there, you can sit, sit around with your peers and have a chat of, about what, what their experiences have been with the different tools, um, who they went with with the implementations, and understand if they had their time over again, what, what else they would have done, what else they would have included. And I think we've done uh, research into this uh, a couple of years ago that said, you know, what, what's the biggest thing you wish you'd known before investing in technology and it was um, underestimating the amount of work involved. Yeah. yeah. I would 100% agree. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of times too, if it's decentralized, Martin, if the information that they need to build out a SAM tool or even establish their program is decentralized, that is a lot of work and a lot of time has to be taken to ensure that you're gathering the right data. data. And then on top of that, they need to realize too, you cannot go all the way back to the day that the company um, uh, became a company. You need to draw a line in the sand. And sometimes drawing a line in the sand means, okay, I'm gonna go back to the last renewal. Now you might have older data, but it's really not pertinent. You really care about, go back two, three, maybe even five years at the most. But Because if you go any further back, you're gonna get lost in the minutia. You really need to draw a line in the sand and say, this is our date from here forward. We're going to uh, use this data and keep it clean for the program basis and for compliance and everything like that. Because a lot of times anything older than five years is end of life anyway. So they really need to be cognizant of that. How far back do you want to go? Don't get lost because it's overwhelming. There's a lot of data out there when you get started. There's a lot of opportunity and it's all pretty the first year. Oh my gosh, we saved so much money. But the second year, 
you have to stabilize that and make sure that you can continue to add value. And the only way to do that is to optimize your licenses. So you must draw a line in the sand. Apart from not going back too far and getting stuck in the weeds, how else, how else do projects fail? What else would you recommend for people to be successful once they've started to implement? Outside of having um, the support from their leadership, they need to communicate and educate the folks that they're going to impact and that they need to work with. Oh, that sometimes gets lost, right? They get started and I'm ITAM, so I know what I'm doing, but they forget that they impact the whole organization. And they really need to make sure their communications are tight. Before implementing, before rolling anything out, they need to make sure everybody is educated on what they're doing. Keep them, keep them, you know, onboard them for the ride and take them all the way through. That's one of the major things I see as a showstopper because they haven't communicated. And when you try to force a new way of doing things down people's throat, all they're going to do is spit it back up. They're not going to accept it. So you have to keep them engaged. You have to keep for successful implementation, successful projects, successful program. You have to make sure everybody's on board and they know what you're doing. You can't do it in a vacuum. And if, you, if somebody was asking you for advice about how do I do a communications plan or how do I, you know, what do I need to do? What, what, where do you even start with that? To, um, the, the communications plan, you, you need corporate communications because no one can put anything out um, to the organization without approval. That's the first thing. A lot of times we think that we can just write some blurb in the daily, whatever it is they send out to everybody. And, and that's supposed to be great. That's not enough. You, you need to put it out there and champion it. And you need to have corporate communications help you wordsmith it. But the first thing you need to do is say, hey, do you know, right? You can do little, do you know spots and say, this is what we're doing. This is why we're doing it. This is how we're doing it. We need your help. You know, kind of engaging them more on a, not a demanding level, but a, a level of asking because we, we tend to start our projects, especially in IT, and we tell everybody this is what we're doing, but we do not think about how it impacts others. And then doing a brown bag, you know, hey, this was our first communication, we're gonna do a brown bag, Let it, if you guys wanna come in and talk to us, get more information, ask questions, be open. And do that for a couple of weeks, couple of weeks to a month, to really get the buzz out there and get people asking questions and people thinking because then they're more opt to help you when you do start a project. And to me, that's the best way to do it. You just get out there and you start with the do you know, and then you kind of get in the weeds with folks, let them ask questions, let them pick your brain and share what you know. You may not know everything and that's okay too, but share what you know. And don't lead them down this path of everything's gonna be rosy and easy. No, let them know that, hey, we're gonna ask you for your help. We've gotta roll our sleeves up. We've gotta dig into, you know, old data and sometimes ask you probing questions about how things are connected or whatever. I learned that when I was first doing this and I was my first one, I was building a uh, ITAM program for an international organization at the time. And I had to talk to every SME on every continent to find out what worked for them and what didn't. And the reason being is because when you're writing a program, a policy, guidelines, you want to make sure that you are 
sensitive to everyone's needs. Yeah, you can't answer all of them, I get it, but you can, you can very well write a high level program that at least supports what they're doing. They may not have to tow the rope. There's gonna, there may be some exceptions, but it's the 80% you want to um, actually make it here. There's gonna be a 20% that can't be for some, whatever the reason is, right? There's always variables. But for the most part, you at least wanna give everybody a voice. And by doing that, you just gotta say, hey, this is what we're doing and we're having a brown bag, we'd like for you guys to come. Come and ask us questions, tell us what your problem is. Act, you gotta care. And then truly work on um, fixing it so that it, it works for everyone involved. I think it helps if you mention why you're doing it for the benefit of the whole company. Like, oh yeah. you know, rather than just, I'm trying to do this because I've been asked to do it. It's, it's a case of, uh, you know, we're doing this to save money or to, you know, avoid ex bad exposure to the company or whatever it might be. Uh, and, and most people get that if you if you articulate it, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just one, one quick thing for those outside of the U.S. Uh, what's a brown bag? Oh, it is a open meeting, no agenda, just everybody come together over lunch or whatever breakfast, whatever you want to, you know, brunch, whatever you want to have. And everyone just kind of bring your own lunch. We sit around, we talk. It's just right. an open meeting. Right. It's like, and, and brown bag is like you bring the sandwiches in the brown bag or you bring a pizza or something to. to yeah. 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 Cool. Okay. Um, and any recommendations in terms of, uh, I mean, one of the, you know, we've already mentioned that one of the most surprising things people find out when they're implementing tools is how much work is involved. And there's a lot of feeding and watering that needs is required mm -hmm. for technology. Um, any, um, and, and going, another point perhaps is that people don't budget for that as well. They just budget for the technology. Um, right. They don't budget for the actual feeding and watering. A any sort of tidbits or e examples to share for, around that? Uh, yeah, you, 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 <laughs> you're going to need a whole technical team. <laughs> um, for lack of a better way of saying it, you, you really, there's a lot of time and it's not just the operations, you know, the ITAM operator, right? The manager, it's not just them. You need the support of your DBAs, your system administrators, because they have to help you um, ensure that the, the ebb and flow of the data is always working. Yeah, you might have one technical person that knows that tool that you're using, but it still connects to other parts of the organization. And then there's other folks that you have to deal with. Um, a lot of times, like you're saying, we implement a tool and we only have the money for that. We don't have the money to actually populate it or um, organize the, the data in a manner where it is usable. We don't have time to do any of that and we haven't engaged the other teams. We have to think about, you need a procurement specialist to help you make sure you have all your purchase orders and purchase history in order. So her time has to be, or their time has to be charged to something. So you gotta think about their time. You have a legal person now that needs to read contracts. You need to think about their time. Everyone's time has to be paid for somehow, some way. Everything can't be done on operations. So you need to not only list your players in your project plan, but you also need to budget time for them, 160 to 200 hours or what have you during the project. And then after the project, 
at least once a month, you know you have to have a cadence with them to ensure that the data is clean and still um, coming across clean. So, you know, there's always that. And then that is operations, I get that after the project, but during the project, you need to include everyone at the table and giving them enough hours to set aside out of their daily work to support your efforts. So are there any considerations for companies that are doing this on an international basis? Maybe they're covering different territories and different subsidiaries. Um, what, what are the common things you see there? Uh, some of the common things that aren't thought about is that when we are doing international establishments of a program, we do it from one aspect. And normally it's because we're U.S., we would do it from the U.S. aspect. If you're U.K., you think about just U.K. But when you start uh, crossing into international, there are different laws. There's different expectations, there's different rules and regulations. And you need someone in that country that's working in that uh, um, office for you to help you navigate those waters to ensure that you are not breaking any laws um, that the company can be fined for. So that is a consideration that should be taken. And a lot of times it's forgotten about um, because it's just a program. Everybody looks at it that way, but there's information can't be shared sometimes. Sometimes you can't take information out of that country and store it anywhere, whether it be in a cloud server or where have you. It has to be in a certain area. So you need to take all of that in consideration when you are setting up a program, an international ITAM program. You need to think about that. And similarly, I guess that's reflected in the the stuff that you're managing, so the contracts and the devices. You need to be careful about what you're actually sharing about those as well, don't you? Oh, yes, sir, you do. Um, that is most definitely. And sometimes, um, as we discussed before, you know, you can't even share it with your third-party vendor that you're having come in help you. Um, make sure that you are reading your contracts. You do not want to, um, you want to stay compliant with your contract. Uh, T's and C's and your terms and conditions and you want to keep that relationship strong with your vendor so you have to know whether you can share that data or not and where it can be housed and who can see it. Right. You, it may be something as simple as getting them approval to see it. It could be uh, something that you have to get in writing and or what have you so you want to know that as well. You want to make sure you understand that as well. Right, because like Microsoft contract, for example, would typically be wrapped in an NDA with, you know, you can't share this pricing with anyone else. And that includes any consultants or, you know, partners that might go on site to help you. Yes, sir. That would be true. Cool. Okay. Well, thank you very much for sharing your experiences today. How can people get hold of you if they want to uh, pick your brain some, some more or, or learn more about Excite Consulting? Yeah, um, you can reach out to us um, via our website if you if you like, um, it's, which is exciteconsulting.com. That's X-C-I-T-E consulting.com. Um, we also can be reached via um, LinkedIn as well. Um, you can reach me via Christy Hawkins um, and, or via Andrea Anderson. You can catch us either way through there. Um, happy to help, help out wherever if anyone has any questions. Great. Okay. And I'll put your links to your website and the LinkedIn profiles in the blog post that accompanies this podcast. Thanks very much, guys. Great. Thank you. Appreciate it.
Iyo, iyo, iyo. <laughs> <laughs>